Have you ever wanted to live in a more energy efficient home? What about a home that saves you money? A home that automates itself around your schedule? Green Homes International was founded on a simple idea. Build better homes. My name's Louis Fennell and I'm the marketing manager for Green Homes International. And I want to take you on a deep dive into what it takes to own a green home. Throughout the course of this series, you'll be introduced to the multiple principles that we at Green Homes put into our homes, as well as recommending small changes you can make to your home to assist in its output. Over the course of 20 years, Australian master builder Mick Fabar began researching and building homes that were more water efficient, energy efficient, and overall better homes. After winning multiple national awards, the brand was born a brand promising to shake up the global construction industry as the world knew it. The demand for a more sustainable way of life was increasing, and Green Homes was the answer to that call. However, it had to stand out. It had to be more than just putting solar panels on a roof and installing water-saving taps. Partnering with Ashley Bland in 2006, the go-to man for all things green, they built a system of building, allowing every home to be compliant with the ISO 50001 standards. The management of energy systems. This was their unique selling proposition. This was how they stood out from the crowd. Within a matter of weeks of releasing their co-written ebook, teaching what it was to build a truly green home, the phone was ringing off the hook from builders and consumers around the country. Everyone wanted to build green homes. And why wouldn't you want to build a new home that costs little more than a standard house? or resulted in a quarterly utilities bill of $2. In 2012, the brand was franchised and quickly became one of the fastest growing construction companies in Australia. In 2017, Green Homes New Zealand opened its doors to a plethora of inquiry. And in 2018, GH Builders USA was registered in numerous states. But what if you're not ready to build a new home? Our systems and practices mean you can implement small changes into your current home to make it more green. And over the coming weeks, Ash Bland will be walking you through multiple pieces of theory, application and advice on making your home more efficient and have it work for you. Throughout this story, be introduced to the entire Green Homes team. We talk design with the executive design team, operations with senior managers, and on the ground application with our green builders. Welcome to the Green Home Living Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the first ever episode of Green Home Living. This is the Green Homes Podcast, a podcast that's going to take you from building your first ever green home or making small little changes in your current home to make it greener. A bit about me. My name's Louis Fennell. I'm the marketing director for Green Homes International. And look, my entire purpose on this podcast is to make sure that I give you all the information you need to live a more sustainable life, if that's something you're after. So essentially, we've, we've done all the hard work for you. After years of the research and accumulated expertise in building environmentally friendly homes, we're happy to share that information with you in an easy go-to source, that being this podcast. Now there is actually a green homes ebook that that's available for free nowadays. The brand actually started around that ebook, but we'll, we'll get into a bit bit more about that later. But this podcast really aims to once again educate you in just some small little 
practices, application, and in a bit of theory as to how you can live that greener life. But why go green? Enhance efficiency, reduce utility costs, embrace renewables, but increasing your comfort is also a good idea. Now, this sounds like a tall order, but it's completely true. As we'll explain in in the following episodes and the following stories, if and when you follow key principles in design and building, your, your home will perform more efficiently than a standard home by reducing energy and water needs, utilizing those renewable resources and reducing impact on the environment. You know, our green home owners really find that they have a greater comfort level, a greater control and a healthier space to live in all all year round. We have countless stories of our clients telling us that outside it's maybe 5 to 10 degrees, but inside it's a toasty 16 to 17 degrees in those winter months. And in other parts of the world, it may even be a lot colder than that. But learning to build a green home isn't as hard as it seems. And once you understand the basics and incorporate them into your own design, you're well on your way to building that home that will perform as a highly efficient working body in its own environment for you. And that's something that we really talk about over this series is making your home work for you. When talking to our new green home clients, we often find that keeping overall costs of living down is, is such an important part of the design process. And in today's current climate, and I don't necessarily mean the environment and the temperature of things, but the climate to do with the economy, the marketplace, resale value, those types of things all influence or should influence how you design and live in your home. And a green home will be more economical to run, provide a healthier, more comfortable living environment, And that's without mechanical assistance. But it will also ensure that better resale return than a standard home would. So you could get to enjoy that fantastic combination of growing your family wealth while reducing your impact on the external environment. Plus, it doesn't really cost the earth. It's it's not the most amount of money that builds the best green home. It's the smartest use of materials and ideas. And by using the key principles that we'll go over shortly you'll be bang on track to increase the efficiency of your home all while lowering your long-term costs. Green Homes Australia or International wasn't born overnight. Mick Fabar, the CEO and founder, grew up in rural New South Wales and he was, he was a builder for 15 years before Green Homes was born. But he worked very closely with Ashley Bland, another local central west New South Wales boy, to develop a suite of practices that assisted builders in building those better homes. And for the next couple of episodes, Ash will be taking you through those principles. Now, in there, we will be having interviews with the chief designer, uh, as well as the the sales team and Mick, Mick himself. But firstly, I guess... I can't jump into Ash's content without giving you a bit of a background about who he is and how he became involved with Greenhomes. Ash grew up on an organic farm in central New South Wales, which is where he learned to observe the natural world and the impacts that human choices had on it. He left the farm to complete a Bachelor's of Engineering in Natural Resources and landed a role as Environment Officer at a remote mine in northwest Queensland. Now, this became a pivotal experience for him learning about both the landscape rehabilitation as well as Aboriginal culture. 
And it was while working for CVA as regional manager for Canberra and Southeast New South Wales that he met his life partner and they decided to travel the world. Now, he returned to Australia working again with CVA at a more strategic level, but then took on a role with Skillset to co-manage construction of the Flannery Centre, an $8.5 million training centre and office complex built to the highest sustainable design principles. Now, it was during this time Ash was selected to complete the Australian Rural Leadership Program, an 18-month life-enhancing program aimed at developing leadership skills for regional Australia. And after that was done, he stayed on with Skillset to build a business out of sustainability, providing services to clients and communities that helped them with everything from energy efficiency to culture change. He now runs his own company, Constructive Energy, which is the vehicle for a range of consulting and business services, a major core of which is to support the growth of the Greenhomes Group and also the capacity of local governments to benefit from the renewable energy revolution. But the important thing to note is that Ash has been on board since day one. And he worked very closely with Mick in defining what it was to build a green home, but also how to build a green home. And today, he's really going to jump into the design aspects of what it takes to build that green home. So without further ado, I'll, I'll pass it over to Ash, who will run you through what it's like to design your green home and, and how you can implement small little design changes into your new home. Okay, so this is the session where you're really going to learn about uh, the design elements of a home. Now, when we think of design, I guess we often think about the architectural features, you know, that first image that you see on the website or in the brochure or whatever, oh, that looks cool. Um, and of course, the layout, the footprint, so the, the site plan. Um, we're gonna broaden that uh, a little bit in this session. And we're going to talk about things like uh, the size and shape, the impact that that has on performance. We're going to talk about orientation, layout and zoning and what you need to consider uh, in terms of green homes. Roofline and shading we'll touch on, shading in particular, and breezeways and ventilation in the context of uh, passive cooling. So let's deal first with the size and shape. One of the things with size and, and shape is the impact of that on energy efficiency. So if you have a ball, for example, a, um, like a, a round teapot, that is actually the perfect shape for staying hot uh, for as long as possible because what a sphere does is, is minimise the surface area for volume. So if you imagine a sphere and then if you open that up to say a cube, a cube of the same volume as a sphere has greater surface area. When you've got greater surface area, that's where your heat exchange occurs, so it's going to cool down more quickly. So if you go really long and skinny, or if you start to get complicated shapes, what you end up doing is actually increasing the surface area um, at which heat exchange occurs, and that becomes really important. Because if you've got a home, for example, if you're living in a really cold area where it, it snows and you're trying to keep that home uh, warm inside but it's cold outside, then the heat loss occurs through the walls. Obviously, the more walls you've got, the greater surface area, the greater the heat loss, the more money you're going to have to spend keeping that home warm. There are other uh, impacts of complex designs too. I mean, you see designers and architects now who try to make homes interesting by putting little insets and cutaways and boxes here and there. And 
I mean, that's okay. It's good if that's what you want the look to be, but the price for that is energy efficiency as well as, um, as material costs as well. Very often those little things are gonna take more time, more lumber, uh, more cladding, and that will um, add to the cost as well. So, you know, you should always have in your mind actually how close to a sphere or a cube is this building. Um, the caveat for that is that if you're looking at passive heating, uh, solar passive design, then the perfect design, the optimal design, is long and skinny and facing south. So your east-west axis is the long one and uh, you, you optimise your glazing and your solar access on the south side. Um, if you're into passive cooling, so winter's not a problem, you're in a mild climate, then the orientation of the home there is going to be geared not so much to where the sun is, but to more how I take advantage of a cooling breeze. So they're the caveats on that design, but essentially, you know, you've got to be thinking, how do I minimise the surface area of the walls for this design? Americans, uh, like Australians build some of the largest homes in the world and I guess that's a reflection of the space we have and the lifestyle that we can afford to live. Um, but when it comes to a green home, you know, large homes work against you. Now, we can do anything in green homes. We can make any home better and that is in fact part of the brand promise. If you still want a big home, we'll make it as green as we possibly can. But we do need to consider the impact, uh, firstly, on the, the planet and the budget of having more materials. Obviously a bigger home has more stuff in it. But in terms of the longevity of that home as well, it's more area to clean, more area to heat and cool. Um, it'll have more stuff in it, more rooms and more space. It'll look empty if you, you know there's the temptation to fill it with more furniture and toys and things. So um, it's a difficult conversation to have with clients in some ways because they might be tied into the idea and bought into the idea of showing off to their friends what a great big home they've got. But hopefully the Green Homes brand has brought to you people who are open to a discussion about showing a bit of restraint really and saying, well, how can we make the most of the plan, minimise our upfront cost, maximise the design elements that then minimise our ongoing cost? And that might mean a conversation which involves trade-offs. So uh, that could be a smart design, for example, where you might say to a client, listen, do you really need the theatre room and a fifth bedroom? Why don't we combine the two? You know, we could have that room as a multi-use space and it could be used as a theatre room for most of the time and, and the holidays when um, you know, Mavis comes to visit, then we've got a bed that we can put in there or fold out couch or whatever it is. And then with the money saved from that, you can put that into other features in the home, like, for example, the, the solar panels, um, which reduce your, your running costs for the other 360 days of the year uh, when your house is running. That sort of smart design also incorporates things like material usage. So using standard sizes, which we'll talk about later in the training, uh, to minimise wastage during construction, but also things like co-locations of wet areas. So um, rather than having pipes running from different areas all over the house, you might actually go, well, hang on, if we put the vanity unit 
on this side of the bathroom, that's on the back wall of the kitchen, which means that we can run one lot of pipes and one lot of power and we save money and resources in doing that. We're going to push the design around in uh, context of making the most of the natural energy available to that site as well. So what that might mean is um, having living areas in a, say, a cooler climate where it's important to get as much free energy to heat the home, particularly in winter. It might say, well, hang on, what, what areas of that home do you spend the most time in? Well, during the day, we, you know, we're, we're, the kids get home from school, we're, we're busy in the living areas of the home, and okay, well, why wouldn't we heat that area for free? Why wouldn't we put that to the south side so that the, uh, the sun can come in and warm that for free? Well, good question. One reason why you might is because the view's to the south. Okay, well now we've got a compromise. But if you've got the opportunity with that site, then that's absolutely what you would do. You really need to be thinking about the orientation and layout and zoning of a home. Now we've talked about it, optimising the use of natural energy, minimising the use of building materials, supporting that low input lifestyle. So you've kind of made it as small as you can, you've minimised the surface area of the walls, you've taken advantage of the heating, natural heating or cooling that's around. Um, what else do you need to do? Well, one of the things is to look at the interrelationships of the space in terms of materials, as we previously discussed, but also the usability. So it's really important to have a home that actually works for the clients. Um, and that means a conversation around, well, do you want the, the master bedroom to be next to the kids or, or as far away as possible? Do you, want, do you want to be in this home for a longer term? In other words, um, do you see yourself uh, as a 90-year-old in this home, in which case, well, maybe we should try and keep it on one level or maybe we should build it in a way that you can put in a, a lift or a, a stairway. Um, machine or you know how is this going to carry in the longer term as well those sorts of conversations make a really material difference and it might be as simple as saying actually you know what we're going to have the kids here for a few years we still want those homes for those bedrooms for visitors but let's put a door there so that for the rest of the year we can shut down that part of the house and we don't have to heat or cool it and it doesn't matter and that those sorts of decisions made early in the piece make a huge difference on the, um, the running cost of that home. The roof line and the shading of a home is uh, worthy of a lot of attention. Different roofs have um, impacts on obviously the look of a home, but more specifically on the performance. We're seeing now um, uh, you know, probably more use of uh, single pitch roofs because as much as anything there's a material saving in that, it's quite simple and, and quick to, to build. Um, but also you can get maximise your area for solar panels for example. There are advantages and different disadvantages to pitched roofs and gables compared to, to single pitch which we'll go into more in the, in the written materials. But the main thing to consider is what is the shading, in, shading impact of that roof. So if you're looking at a solar passive design, the depth of the eaves to the south is going to be absolutely critical. 
um, and understanding the impact of the orientation of the home on the shading is also really critical. So we want you to learn how to calculate the correct depths of the eave, also how to work out where shade structures will need to be. We want you to be able to think about a home and go look at a plan and go, well, actually that home in this location will mean that that bedroom is going to get unbearably hot in summer. Or actually that home is going to be, that room is going to be really, really cold. No one will want to be in that unless we change the window or unless we reduce the shading or, or that kind of thing. And after a while, you'll probably end up like me where you drive around and, and get cranky looking look at these dumb houses out there that just, you know, must be so expensive to run because they haven't made simple choices with the roof line and the orientation in the beginning and shading to, um, to maximise the impact of the natural energy. Finally, the thing we want you to be able to do is to look at a home uh, as we mentioned earlier, understand the local climate and weather patterns and then really look at how you control the air moving in that space. What sort of breezeways do you need to integrate into the design and how will the ventilation work? Um, now this varies wildly across the country in, in climate zones that you're in, but if you have the opportunity, what is it that you would do in the design that would mean you could do something for free? And it might be as simple as uh, allowing a breezeway through the middle of a, a home. That means at the end of the day, uh, you can open up both doors and a, and a breeze will dump all of the hot, stale air out of that home. So rather than relying on your central heating or cooling to do that function, you're relying on the, you know, the natural weather conditions to do that. There's, we'll talk to you about um, the stack effect, how you make uh, use of the fact that hot air will rise. We'll talk to you about some different types of, of um, uh, mechanical ventilation, but really the idea here is, is what can you do without having to flick a switch? What sort of windows would you use? Where would you put them? You don't want the cooling of your house to be dependent on whether a teenager's got their bedroom door open or closed, for example. So that's another component to this discussion as well. Okay, and then when you've got all of that right, we'll move on to how you build it. So I guess if you were listening to that and you had any questions, make sure to reach out to us. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, by email. Check out the website for those details, and I'll run through those in a second. But just to have a really quick recap of what, what you've just heard, is the six different elements of designing your green home and foundational ideas are location, size and shape, roof line or roof pitch, internal layout, zoning and breezing and ventilation. And they are universally applicable concepts. Now, in the southern hemisphere, the correct and most beneficial orientation is facing north. Now, in the northern hemisphere, that's going to be facing south. Cooler climates should utilise the winter sun orientation for natural warmth where the sun penetrates living area windows. In the design of your home, think about how and when the sun will penetrate living areas. You're looking for natural warmth and cool at the right times. And consider the landscape around the proposed site and how things like buildings, trees and the length of the block could affect solar benefits. So if you're in the bush or a forest, how will those trees affect the light distribution across your house or the breezeways. So 
when designing your home or even when you're just conceptually designing your home at your current residence, whether it be on a piece of paper from the printer or a napkin, just do a bit of research into your local environment and just have a look around at different elements that may not traditionally stand out. But that's all from us today. Uh, This is the first episode of the Green Home Living podcast. We really are looking forward to sharing a lot of our insight into a lot of mistakes that we see throughout the building industry throughout the world, but also sharing our stories with you as to how we grew um, to, to where we are today. And as I mentioned, we, we've got a number of builders in multiple different countries, such as the USA, New Zealand, and Australia. So we'll really get you to know the, the different stakeholders in this brand and how they're implementing it in their local government. But to close it off, if you have any questions, if you'd like to provide feedback on this format of the podcast, we are all ears. So make sure to jump onto Facebook and Instagram, hit follow and like respectively, and you know, send us a private message. Let us know how you're going in your design process. And if you're not following us on social media and don't use social media, make sure to go to greenhomesaustralia.com.au and you'll find all our contact details in the footer of the website. If you're in the United States, make sure to go to ghbuildersusa.com and you'll find all those details as well. And finally, if you're in New Zealand, go to www.greenhomesnz.co.nz. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. It'd be fantastic to have you along for the ride and just share all of our information with you over the coming weeks and months. And once again, if you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. And and I'd just love to leave you with this thought. The larger the home, the more it will cost to heat and cool. And the more critical it is to use efficiency performance indicators within the design. However, a large home can still be efficient if the correct principles are followed. Thanks for listening. This has been Green Home Living. Chat to you next time.